and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast Field Services representative, and we are back to solo performances this week on the podcast as everyone's schedules have gotten a little crazy, as is traditional during the summer. We want to welcome you to today's episode and let you know we have an episode that is action-packed with a lot of different things this week. We have um, the market update with Tiffany LaMandola. Paul Souza joins us for an update on California Dairy's progress toward the deliverables in Senate Bill 1383 and what that means for our dairy farmers. Rochelle brings us an update about Lucheros Unidos de California, who is back in action as the summer progresses. And finally, we share a recording of our webinar from this week, USDA Drought Services webinar hosted and made possible by the partnership between Western United Dairies, California Cattlemen's Association, and the California Cattle Council. We aren't sharing the whole webinar today. We decided to go ahead and cut it down a little bit. It was a little bit over an hour long. So today you'll be hearing about the drought services offered by the USDA Farm Services Agency. And we attach the producer questions about those services at the end of the presentation. So we hope you enjoy this week's episode. And without further ado, here's Tiffany. Hi folks, hope you had a great week. Well, after a few weeks of hiatus, it seems like the sellers found their way back to Chicago this week um, on cheese. We definitely saw some additional supplies um, make their way, which echoed reports out in the countryside that things are not quite as tight as previously thought the last couple weeks um, surrounding concerns on the 640 uh, block cheese, um, box storages. So we saw uh, cheese prices retreat. We lost 11 cents on blocks for the week down to 161.50. We lost 14 cents on barrels down to 144. Um, We've had some heat waves and um, definitely are seeing a little bit of seasonal declines um, cutting into milk flows in the Western US. Uh, But context suggests fresh cheese supplies remain pretty ample, at least for now. In the Midwest, manufacturers definitely have access to um, spot milk that is at steep discounts to historical levels. USDA pegged the upper Midwest um, spot milk price at an average of $5.50 below class. Um, That is down from last week, down from a dollar below class uh, the prior year, and a midpoint of $1.20 below class over the last five years. We are hearing, though, labor issues and packaging shortages do appear to be hindering a little bit of cheese production in the region, even though folks might have access to that spot milk, not all are able to take it. Um, So that may be sending some additional loads into balancing plants, which are typically on the class four side. We're seeing summer grilling season underway, and that is helping um, cheese demand at retail. For the week ending July 4th, uh, scanner data showed natural cheese sales up about 10% versus 2019 levels. Food service demand also sounds pretty um, good as warmer weather brings more consumers to dining rooms and, and patios kind of across the country. Moving over to butter, it was relatively quiet. Um, we were up just a quarter cents on butter to $1.6775 for the week. Demand is reportedly pretty strong, um, or healthy, I should say, uh, but plenty of availability is also keeping price gains in check. Um, it is sweet corn season just around the just around the bend, and it seems like consumers are start stocking up on butter. Retail sales are still good, up 10% on a two-year basis. 
Next week, we get a cold storage report. Over the past um, five years, butter stocks have decreased an average of 600,000 pounds between May and June, so we'll be watching that. Uh, on non-fat dry milk, also pretty quiet for the week. We gained a quarter cent to $1.2525. Uh, powder stocks remain pretty abundant as strong milk production keeps uh, balancing plants busy. Reports also suggest um, the packaging shortages in the cheese market have meant a little bit more milk into those balancing plants, as I mentioned. Meanwhile, we're hearing international buyers. Buyers are pretty quiet, um, though some expect or hope that Mexico could resume um, here again soon. Next week, we also get another global dairy trade event. Um, the last event was um, all, we saw all contracts uh, slide. And uh, this time around, we'll see a little bit of little less uh, S&P offered. Um, Fonterra announced that it will offer that product later in the year um, and into 2022 to better meet demand. Finally, finishing off on grains, still very uh, much watching how um, growing season is progressing. Corn conditions did improve slightly. Uh, during the week ending July 11th was 65% of the corn crop in good or excellent condition. That was up uh, 1% from last week, uh, but still trailing a little bit last a year at 69%. Feel free to reach out if you ever want to chat markets. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pg.com slash safety. We are so happy to welcome back Paul Souza, Western United Dairy's Director of Environmental Affairs to the show. Paul is here to give us a little bit of an analysis on the dairy industry's progress on Senate Bill 1383. So welcome back, Paul. Thanks for joining us. This is an important topic. It is. Uh, yeah. And thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, so Recently, the California Air Resources Board, or ARB as I'll call them, uh, released their analysis of progress toward achieving the 2030 dairy livestock sector methane emissions target. Uh, that's a mouthful, so I'm just gonna call it the analysis. Um, this analysis was required by Senate Bill 1383. And if you'll remember that uh, particular bill uh, requires reductions in livestock methane emissions. We'll get more into that. Um, important, it's an important document that identifies how far we've come how far we still have to go and how we might be getting there. Uh, WUD recently submitted comments on this analysis uh, this past week. That this that just uh, is that we're still wrapping up. Awesome. Well, before we get the analysis, um, is there a difference of opinions on how 1383 is interpreted? Because I've sure been hearing a lot of different things going around the industry recently. Yeah. Uh, there is. Uh, the way I read 1383, it only gives the ARB authority over manure methane emissions, but the Air Resources Board's interpretation is that they have authority over all livestock methane emissions, including enteric emissions, which are burped out from the rumen of the cow and are not part of the manure emissions. Uh, when SB 1383 was being drafted in the legislature, um, early drafts did include all livestock sector methane emissions, but that was revised to only apply to manure methane. And most of the industry then removed its opposition to the bill uh, once that change was made. 
Right, so the bill passed, um, for those that don't remember, requires a 40% reduction only for manure methane emissions um, from California livestock by 2030 from those 2013, 2013 baselines that were established. Um, dairy seems to take the brunt of this on, but that's kind of a, another topic for another day. But th those are the correct numbers, right, Paul? 40% reduction from California livestock by 2030, and the baseline was set in 2013. Um, the bill also went on to say that enteric emissions could only be achieved through incentive-based methods until it was determined, and I've got a, a quote here uh, from the legislation. The quote is that a cost-effective considering the impact on animal productivity and scientifically proven method of reducing enteric emissions is available and that the adoption of the enteric emissions reduction method will not damage animal health, public health, or consumer acceptance, end quote. So due to all this confusion that was going on, um, Wood sought the opinion of the Legislative Council on what was actually required by 1383. Okay. The Legislative Council agreed with us that ARB only had the authority to mandate a 40% reduction in manure methane emissions. And further, ARB cannot require reductions in enteric methane emissions until the conditions in 1383 that I just mentioned above the quote uh, have been met. So in our comment letter, um, we once again reminded ARB um, of that and that they're exceeding their legislative authority. How did that go over? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, we haven't gotten any response yet, um, but uh, 1383 also stated that ARB could not write any regulations mandating methane emission reductions before 2024, and that any regulations written to comply with 1383 must include provisions to minimize and mitigate potential leakage to other states and countries. Right. Uh, that term leakage is very important. Um, it's a, a euphemism as I see it for driving businesses out of state because of regulations in California. Yeah, which we see across sectors these days, it seems like. Um, so an example of leakage would be if a California dairy moves to New Mexico or Arizona or Idaho. Exactly, uh, because what you have is that Climate change is a global issue. Um, you know, making a change locally doesn't affect you locally. Uh, and so if that dairy moves to another state, no benefits are achieved. Those, you know, let's say it was a thousand cow dairy, they pick up their thousand cows, they move them to Mexico. Uh, the emissions from a thousand cows keep happening and actually at a higher rate because uh, California is controlling its emissions. Um, and California loses out on the jobs and the economic benefits of having that business here. Yeah. Uh, so that this concept of, uh, ARB must do everything it can to prevent leakage was also a big focus of our comments. Right. And back to the analysis, Paul, there was actually some really good news in that analysis, correct? It points out that dairies have made tremendous progress, better than expected progress in reducing manure methane emissions, and that ARB um, recommends additional incentive funding to continue that great progress. Yeah, um, I agree. There was good news. Uh, you know, through the funding administered by CDFA, dairies have installed digesters and alternative manure management projects that have greatly reduced manure methane emissions. And I, I have been truly amazed by the progress made by our California dairy families to work toward meeting this goal. Um, dairy digesters have also proven to be a very cost-effective investment for the state in reducing its greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and because of the good work achieved so far, ARB does recommend that the state continue incentive funding 
to, to the tune of about $600 million. Um, and that would bring in also cost match, that's 600 million in state funding, uh, and then cost match on digesters that are actually heavily cost matched. Okay. Um, they, also, they also note that incentive funding provided by the state has helped achieve additional co-benefits such as air and water quality benefits that might not have happened without that. Um, so we supported continuing, uh, continuing the incentives to keep our progress moving and to maximize co-benefits uh, to manure methane projects. ARB has also tracked the reduction in cow numbers that has occurred in California since the baseline year of 2013. Uh, and that reduction has resulted in uh, reduced methane emissions that are counted towards our 1383 target. Right, and honestly, this isn't WUD's preferred method of achieving the goals. Let's kind of get that out there. I can flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that's just something that's happening. We wanted to make sure that we got credit for that, but that's not, you know, we would rather stop that and not have that go any further. Mm -hmm. um, so our comments pointed that out to ARB that they must move forward in implementing 1383 as the legislature intended, intended uh, focusing on manure methane emissions only, maintaining that enteric emission reductions shall only be voluntary and to continue to providing incentives for dairies to meet those larger public goals. Um, that was kind of the gist of our comments. I think a very important um, opportunity to comment to ARB as they move forward, especially making sure that they are following, um, you know, the legislator's intent uh, and that we, you know, don't put any more burden on dairies to drive them out of California and make that leakage issue any bigger. Yeah, I think it's really good news for dairy producers in the dairy industry that we've, we're getting fairly close to achieving our goals well before the 2030 deadline, dairies are doing a really good job. They're investing on their own and they're investing through the incentive programs and we don't have to push for anything extra for our producers. That's really good news. And I think um, dairymen can be, and this dairy industry can be really proud of the work that's been done. Yeah, I completely agree. I really have been amazed. I mean, in the last less than five years, um, you know, we have just made tremendous progress and it's just amazing to see um, you know, working with the state, uh, you know, dairy families in the state, you know, with the incentives they've got, um, we have achieved a lot and we are well on our way to meeting the goal. Um, if we're looking at the goal that the legislature actually set for us and not the one that ARB um, is kind of um, envisioning. Absolutely. Well, good news and a little bit of work ahead, Paul, but I think we're getting there. So thanks so much for joining us today and we'll have you back in a couple of weeks. It seems like the environmental updates are rolling in as the summer progresses and hopefully we'll have a little bit cooler rest of the summer, but thanks for joining us today. Sure. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate it. Thank you. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. 
Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. My name is Aubrey Betancourt. I am the Director of Sustainability, a position created in partnership with the California Cattle Council and Western United Dairies. And I'm here to welcome you today on behalf of California Cattle Council, Western United Dairies, and the California Cattlemen's Association uh, to a drought services seminar. This is probably going to be the first in a series of seminars provided in English and Spanish, with the purpose being to maximize the available resources from our state and federal and local partners for you, our farmers, ranchers, producers, and rural communities throughout California. Um, to be completely honest, as we were preparing for this, some of the feedback I got, one of the best forms of feedback I got was, wish we didn't have to do this. We shouldn't have to do this. But the reality of it is, is um, when you're dealing with a drought, and we know this in California, we know this is Californian, uh, you can't put it out, you can't run away from it, but what you can do is you can buckle up, you can survive it, you can take the time to prepare to maximize your recovery, and you can invest in yourself and in your region and in your communities for your overall resilience going forward. And that's really what this is about. Again, maximizing the available resources, making sure you, our producers, our farmers, our ranchers, our dairymen and women, uh, and our communities know and have access to the resources available to you to invest in your own resilience so that you can keep farming and you can keep uh, being the vibrant and diverse communities that we are and love here in California. So today we're joined actually by some of the best in the business, people that I am privileged to say have been my colleagues over the years. Um, and I say it's true, they are the best in the business. They were focused on USDA's farm services uh, and conservation services. Uh, and we are joined by USDA senior leadership. They have decades of experience working to bring some of those national programs that sometimes don't always apply to California, but have figured out in masterful ways to help maximize the, the resources for Californians and the diversity that we have here from border to border, uh, our 400 commodities, our incredible diverse uh, ecosystems uh, and communities as well. So, so with that, I'm going to turn this back over. We're gonna make the most of our time. I really appreciate all of you joining us today. Um, again, wish we didn't have to do this, but we know how to survive a drought. Uh, we know how to invest in our water supplies and water uh, resilience throughout this throughout this state. Uh, and this is about getting those resources connected to those who know how to do it. So with that, I'd like to hand it over to my colleagues at the Farm Service Agency. Ms. Navdeep Dillon, the floor is yours. Thanks, Aubrey. All right, so um, today, uh, again, as Arbery said, my name is Navdeep Dillon. I'm the Farm Program Chief for California. And today I'm just gonna do a brief overview of um, drought programs that are available through Farm Service Agency. Um, as always, you know, whenever you're in a situation where you feel like, you know, you need some assistance, always contact FSA first. We can, we most likely can um, assist you with whatever issues you're having or point you in the right direction. Um, so the livestock, pro, um, the forage uh, drought programs that we have available, majority of them are for livestock producers and then we'll get into, get into them here. 
All right, so the first um, is the Livestock Forage Program. Um, this program provides assistance to livestock owners and contract growers who um, also have interest in both um, livestock and um, have grazed land, which is, a which is native pasture or improved pasture with permanent uh, vegetative cover and is being impacted by, a, by the drought. Um, how do we look to see if you've been impacted? We're looking at the US drought monitor to determine the severity of the drought. Um, and uh, the more severe the drought, the, the higher the payment actually, or more, more monies are available. Um, the maximum payment that is issued under the livestock uh, forage program is five months worth of feed payment. Um, again, as uh, this program is currently open, as majority of our state is in a D2 or a higher drought indicator, and uh, we're currently accepting applications and issuing payments. Um, the deadline to file for the 2021 year is January 30th of 2022. Um, of course, you have to be a commercial operation. Um, your AGI cannot exceed 900,000 and there's a maximum payment limitation of 125,000. Um, that's the maximum payment limitation and that payment, that amount, that amount of funds are available if your operation earns um, at least that amount um, or higher. And again, um, there is a, a requirement to report your acreage um, and the deadline to report the acreage is uh, today, July 15th. Um, there are some late file provisions um, available for the acreage reporting and there is a fee that is charged for a late file acreage report. Um, the next program that's available is under our emergency um, livestock assistance program. And uh, within that program, the, uh, the most important program here is the water transportation um, assistance. So any producer who's having to provide our transport water to livestock um, that is grazing on land where you normally would not transport water. And uh, you, of course, your county has to be in a 3-3 or a higher drought indicator on the US Drought Monitor. You are required to file a notice of loss within 30 days of the disaster event. So I would use um, the 30 days would, um, you know, as a good indicator is once you start hauling water to your livestock you want to contact the FSA office and file a notice of loss. That way you're covered with the, with the 30 day requirement. Um, the date, the final date to file an application for payment is January 30th, 2022. You are required to provide supporting documentation with your uh, application for payment. This would be your receipts for um, hauling water. Um, if you had it hauled by, by a contractor, and uh, you would have to provide livestock numbers and where they were if you did not um, hire, hire this service out. There is a maximum of 150 days of calendar, 150 calendar days worth of, of, um, of hauling water assistance that's available. Again, you have to be a commercial operation and your AGI cannot exceed 900,000. Um, this program does not have a payment limit. Um, the next program we have available is the Emergency Conservation Program uh, for drought. Um, this program becomes available once a county committee requests um, that a, a drought program is needed in their county. 
And that usually starts with uh, the um, local farmers or ranchers contacting their FSA office and saying, hey, you know, we need some assistance with uh, livestock or emergency measures for due to the drought. Um, what this program provides is um, it provides a, the ability to for you to continue to graze land um, that you would normally graze. However, due to water, you can't graze that land. So, um, and again, um, we can also help in the providing emergency water to existing irrigation systems, which is orchards and vineyards, and then also provide assistance in um, providing water to confined livestock. What kind of components are available under this program? Uh, again, we can do um, livestock uh, tanks and troughs if those are not uh, currently on your property. Uh, we can help with uh, springs and seeps. We can do wells only in, in situations where there is we, we are not able to haul water. Um, and um, the main reason we don't we stay away from wells is the, um, is the, is the environmental impacts. Um, that would be um, that a, a well would uh, would uh, would actually impact the environment. Um, so the there is this is a cost share program. So cost share is available at seventy five percent for permanent practices and at fifty percent for temporary. Um, again, this this being a, a cost share program, you do have to complete the practice prior to the agency issuing payment. So you complete the practice incur the costs, submit your bills, and then the agency issues a, a percentage of your, um, of your cost. And um, you cannot start the practice until we approve your practices and, 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 um, and conduct the environmental review and are able to approve that application. We do require a field visit by an FSA employee, um, NRCS does assist with assist us with some of the uh, field visits. So it would either be a FSA or an NRCS employee. Uh, this program does have a payment limitation of uh, $500,000 uh, per person. Next, um, this is a program which is not used all that often in our uh, state. It's the um, under CRP. So if you have a conservation reserve program a contract with FSA. Um, in emergency situations, you are allowed to pay or possibly pay uh, and graze that land, which is normally prohibited from being grazed or hayed under normal circumstances. Um, and so what you do have, do have to do is contact the FSA office and notify them that um, you're interested in either haying or grazing the um, grazing the land that is in CRP. Uh, then we work with NRCS to modify the plan that you have. And then at that point, you are granted permission to um, graze or hay, depending on which, what, which circumstance you're in at that point. Uh, again, you don't want to do any of haying or grazing without requesting permission from FSA prior to um, conducting such activities. Uh, let's see here, all right. Um, the non-insured um, crop disaster assistance program. This program provides assistance to for um, to li to livestock producers and that result in a, in um, low yield or preventive plantage. Uh, of course, this is an insurance uh, product, you, so you must have purchased coverage for the current year in order for you to be eligible. So something to consider for next year if you did not if you do not have coverage. 
Um, this program does um, offer buy-up coverage up to 65% of the yield and 50%, 100% um, of the price. Uh, for grazing, um, you can only insure at 50% of the crop and 55% of the price. Um, there is a reduction in uh, premium um, for SDA limited resource veteran or beginning farmers and ranchers. Um, this program does have a, again, an adjusted AGI not exceed 900,000. Um, this program does have a payment limitation of um, $125,000 as well. Okay, so next uh, we're gonna look at emergency loans. Um, low interest loans are available for disaster declared counties um, and contiguous counties and for California, majority of the counties are in a, um, uh, have received a designation. Um, if you don't know whether your county is in a designation, is, is in a designated, has been designated, please contact uh, your local FSA office and we can assist you with that. Um, and most of, uh, so you must not be able to obtain credit elsewhere. Um, the deadline to apply is within eight months of the disaster designation. Um, and so depending on when your county was designated, um, then um, the eight month period would, would end after, after the designation. You need, do need to contact your local FSA for assistance to apply. Okay. Um, Next, uh, the dairy margin coverage program. This is not really related to disaster. disaster. It is not really related to drought or disaster. This is a program which is available through crop with FSA uh, for coverage of, um, of your dairy uh, costs. So there is a $100 fee per contract. Um, you can purchase coverage at a higher level with the premium plus the administrative fee. Um, the application period for 2021 has already closed. Uh, for 2022, the coverage period will begin sometimes in October. We don't have the announce, we don't have the start date as of uh, right now. And uh, for additional information or information regarding other programs that are available through FSA, you can visit um, fsa.usda.gov or farmers.gov and there is a um, different resources that are available to you. You can locate on the FSA office near you. And then uh, one program that I did not mention here, however, is still open is our Coronavirus Food Assistance Program 2. And um, that program has, um, is available to livestock producers as well as dairy, um, dairy producers. And um, so we don't have a deadline for that yet. However, if you haven't applied, please contact your local FSAA office and file an application and, uh, and the payments are being processed as well. Um, that's all I have uh, from FSA. And I will stop sharing at this point and turn it over to Aubrey. Uh, we do have a producer question. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna attempt to, uh, and I, well, I will preemptively apologize if I get the name of uh, pronunciation um, incorrectly, uh, I believe Jessica McIsaac has a question for the group. Yes, thank you. I couldn't find the hand function. So anyways, I, ha I have a few questions. Um, first, the initial speaker about FSA funds, um, about two programs, or I guess they're all, all in that category. Um, first, regarding ELAP and water hauling, my question is that we do our own water hauling. 
And so which portion of the expenses are allowed to be billed? Um, whereas one, a, a neighbor might have somebody do their water hauling, like a contract company, and they can more easily submit an entire bill. Okay, so um, you would we would pay you for for the mileage as well as the if you well if you purchase the if you purchase the water we would help with you can submit the bill for the water um, if you use your own well water then there is no compensation for that uh, we would pay you for the mileage to transport if you rented a truck we would assist you with that so any um, any cost that you um, that you would associate in addition to the mileage. Okay, and so the deadline for that is September the 1st? Um, so you, you do have, you can, um, you need to file a notice of loss within 30 days of, of the time that you started hauling water. And then uh, after once we pay up to 150 days worth of water hauling, of course, there is a, a maximum um, that's set up within, uh, within our uh, per cow. Um, and so there is a, a, a cost that's associated with uh, with water hauling that's already established by the agency and that you can get from the local FSA office. And uh, um, so we pay up to 150 days. And uh, once you've reached up to 150 days, you can submit your bills and we could assist you or pay you at that point, or you can wait until um, January 30, prior to January 30th, 2022 to submit an application for payment. Okay, I, I'm sorry that I didn't understand all the way. Sometimes with these programs, you think like you're getting reimbursed for the bills, but then you said there's already a price established to check with my office. So are you saying there's already a per head water fee that they will pay, so the bills are really second nature? Um, yes, well, we need to, so you we won't pay you more than uh, what you incurred in costs. So there is a per head um, water rate that's established. Um, water, um, yeah, I guess that that's what it, it's a per head water rate that's established. So you would submit your bills, either you get the um, the rates that's established, or if it's your rate, what you determine is lower than what the calculated rate is, then you would get your rate. Okay. Um, so another question I have about. Today you said is the deadline for LFP for establishing the acres. I had recently returned in the 853, I believe it is, form over email. Is mm -hmm. that the form that establishes the acres? No, no, you do have to file a, a 578, which is a report of acreage. I'm, I'm hoping that the counting office had you do that at the same time. Um, so I would contact the FSA office and ask them if, if you've um, you filed an acreage report. You may have filed it prior to you applying, um, prior to you turning in your application for the LFP program, um, but they could answer that question for you. Both forms are required. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Great questions. Thanks so much, Jessica. Anyone else with uh, any follow-up questions for the group? Do we, I, I got I have a quick follow-up question um, that uh, I just remembered actually two things. 
uh, before we close with announcements. Um, is there a program for uh, livestock deaths? Um, yes, we do have the FSA has a livestock indemnity um, program, and that uh, does provide assistance for livestock deaths um, um, due to um, excessive heat or um, excessive cold. Um, and so, again, that program is available through FSA. It hasn't been active the last few years, so, however, it is a standing program that's, uh, that is available. Great, thank you. Um, all right, well, with that, I'm not seeing any further questions. We do wanna try to keep uh, this tight, keep it um, productive. I think this has been a, a wonderful opportunity to have access to these groups, uh, to these agencies. Uh, one thing I want everyone to remember uh, first and foremost is um, in a lot of these cases and, and uh, you know, Navdeep and, and Ryan and Carlos uh, and Ryan can, can correct me if I'm wrong, but in a lot of these cases, it literally is as simple as picking up the phone and saying, I need help or saying, you know, what do you have uh, for this circumstance or I'm thinking of doing this. Um, in some cases, you know, you heard a lot of, um, especially with FSA, you hear a lot of indications about where we, you know, we, we need to be notified within a certain period of time. There's certain deadlines or notification periods. In many cases, it's as simple as a phone call to your local office, it's as simple as an email um, to your local office that can be counted at that time. Um, and at the very least, being able to speak to someone, um, make sure that you stay on track and, and you can maximize these programs. In some ways, um, you know, they, and, and we'll make sure of this too. Uh, we had this just happen, I think, with NRCS. Um, if there's an extension to any of these deadlines, one thing that we're committed to with Cattle Council, uh, Western United Dairies and the California Cattlemen's Association is making sure you know when these deadlines are moving. Please know you can always, again, reach out to your local offices, reach out to your associations to help connect you with the right folks. Um, we have great relationships with a lot of the folks on the phone uh, and even down in these counties uh, to help you um, get the services you need, especially in times like these. Um, and more importantly, and I and I have to I have to give big props to NRCS, really talking about that emphasis on resilience. Um, we have to develop our own watershed, take ownership of our own resources. We know how to do that. We're the ones on the ground, um, and these are here to help us do that in a in a holistic and productive way. So I really appreciate everyone's participation today. Um, if there are no further announcements, uh, I, well, I have one last announcement, actually. We will have another one of these events, uh, a webinar next week, Thursday, July 22nd at 9 a.m. This will be a Spanish language version of this uh, same webinar, covering our on-farm programs with Farm Service Agency, Natural Resource Conservation Service, and Risk Management Agency. So if anyone you know uh, in the Spanish-speaking community uh, is looking for assistance, please send them the information for this. You can find it at westernunitedberries.com. Thank you again for your time. And I greatly appreciate everyone participating. Absolutely thanks so much to USDA and all of uh, your team and your teams on the ground, continued commitment to California. Um, thank you so much for your continued service. And I wish you all the best. Buckle up, we can do this. Californians are resilient by nature. And thank you all, we'll see you soon. Take care.
Hi everyone, this is Rochelle speaking from the Lecheros Unidos de California program. Lecheros is back and ready to help members find employees. Give us a call at our office number at 209-527-6453 and I can start the search for your next area employee. We also have the option if you prefer to fill out an employer questionnaire on your own. You can also email me at rashell at wudairies.com and I will be glad to email it out to you. And whenever you're done filling it out, just forward it to me via email. And we will work on getting your precision filled as soon as possible. I wish everyone a nice weekend. As we wrap up this week's episode, we want to give a huge thank you to Tiffany as well as all of our webinar participants and guests for their work this week on the podcast. Remember, you can reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests at wud.pod at gmail.com. You can reach Melissa at m-l-e-m-a at wudairies.com and I can be reached at d-a-r-b-y at wudairies.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform and have a great week, everybody. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. I-E-S dot com.